Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It's not, I'm going to work my way to heaven, but it's rather the real, genuine faith exhibits itself in a lifestyle of works. We were created, Paul tells us in Ephesians, unto good works that God preordained. We were created to work, to serve. And that's what James is looking at. He's saying, your life ought to show it. Now, here is the application in verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Do you know what your purpose and calling in this life is? As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series through the book of James, he'll be reminding us that we were created to do good works that God has preordained. We were created to serve the Lord and to use the spiritual gifts He has given us. The truth of the matter is that we can say we have all the faith we want, but the demons also believe in God, yet they tremble and are bound for hell. If we have faith that is alive, it will result in good works. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith You can't really believe in God and it not come through in the way you live and walk and live. He illustrates this. He takes us into the church. Now, you have to remember, the church in Jerusalem had suffered poverty. Many of them were persecuted, and some lost their jobs and were boycotted because their acceptance of Christ. There were famines in the lands. There were all sorts of problems that had come. And the Jerusalem church had suffered much in terms of uh, material things. And so they would send offerings to the Jerusalem church. Here's an illustration that probably actually happened in James's time. In verses 15 to 16, he said, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and you don't give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Now think about this. Go in peace. That's the greeting in Israel to, the, to today. Uh, peace be with you. Uh, that meant be whole. May, may God meet your needs. So here's someone with dire need. You could see that it's not greed that they want your money, but it is re- genuine need. And so they have a genuine need. And someone sees them in the church, they're a brother or sister, and they say all the right things. Every intone of their voice is just right. Sounds compassionate. Sounds moving. Oh, may God bless you, my brother. May he meet every need that you have. If you don't do anything, James says, that's absolutely meaningless. It's empty. It has no significance. True faith has compassion, and compassion has action. John the Apostle 
looks at the same scene and says it this way. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with our word or tongue, but with action and in truth. The story is told uh, in the days in England when people had horses as their main transportation. Uh, it said one man saw a horse and it had died on the road and, and all of his neighbors had gathered around to help and comfort this man and uh, they were just comforting the guy and trying to help him because this was his main means of transportation. And so one man just said, uh, I care five pounds. And he took his hat and he put five pounds in the hat. And then he passed it to the person who was uh, saying the most about his concern for this man who just lost a horse. How much do you care? Does our compassion impact our wallet, our checkbook, our time? Does it make a difference in the way we live. That's what James is telling us. It's not a matter of saying the right words. It's not a matter of being religious. It's a matter of doing and living and expressing it in tangible ways. Failure to provide for an obvious need not only harms those who are in need, but it also raises questions about the spiritual state of the one who fails to act to relieve the need. Think about that. Last night on the phone, I was talking to Sister Teresa Greenhall. Sister Teresa's back from India, and we spent time on the phone praying together, talking about things. And she told me how this past year they've seen lepers come to our Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, in the pictures you'll see that they don't have fingers, many of them, and just stubs there. But she said, it's beautiful, they've accepted Christ. And she's talking about how children are being delivered from brothels and all sorts of things are happening. And she expressed appreciation for our church and how we give. But I was thinking, this woman really lives her faith. She really lives it out in, in giving her life away. Let me ask you a question. How would you have responded? The story is told about a church. It was packed. It was filled. Even more so than ours is this morning. And in the service, two men walked in with Dark, black, drenched coats, raincoats. They stood in the back. Then they opened up the raincoats, and they took out machine guns. They said, if you are willing to take a bullet for Jesus, remain here. The church cleared out. The choir cleared out. Part of the pastoral staff left. The deacons were out the door. And deaconess, just have 20 people left in the church. And then they said, preacher, we could have church now. The unbelievers have left. <laughs> now think about that. When Christianity started off, people willingly gave their lives and wouldn't deny Jesus Christ. And they counted it a privilege being a martyr. 
They willingly lay down their life. What is this Christian faith about? Is it about making you and me more comfortable on the journey? Is it about somehow being some salve for our hurting hearts? Somehow a God that meets our needs as we perceive them? Or is it about a commitment that takes us out of our comfort zones and willingly causes us to sacrifice and to live for him? That's what James is talking about. He's talking about a faith that makes a difference. Listen, on the judgment day, when people stand before God, a question, rather, a statement is going to be made. Listen to Jesus' words. He pictures the end times when the peoples and the nations will be gathered before him. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When we stand before Almighty God in the end day and the judge of all the earth judges men he's going to see at that time is your faith real did it make a difference in the way you lived your life did it make a difference in the way you spent your days if you're saved and you know it then your life will truly show it does your life show it would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian if you took away your church attendance? Would people really believe that you were a follower of Jesus Christ if they took away the fact that you attend church? That's what James is talking about. Douglas Moo, a commentator, said, Not that works must be added to faith, but that genuine faith includes works it's not I'm going to work my way to heaven but it's rather the real genuine faith exhibits itself in a lifestyle of works we were created Paul tells us in Ephesians unto good works that God preordained we were created to work to serve and that's what James is looking at he's saying your life ought to show it now here is the application in verse 17, even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. You cannot sever faith and works. You can't do it. Now, you can't trust in works because works aren't going to get you to heaven. And I'm not trying to make a plea. We want you to work more in the church. I want you to do another thing. I'm not saying that at all. 
faith, your faith in God will cause you just to serve. It may be in a public way. It may be in a private way. It may be giving to an offering like we took when we gave to those who were the victims of Katrina or other special. Or it may be simply taking money out of your pocket and giving it to another brother or sister that you know is in need. But it will express itself. And James is saying, you can't separate faith and works. I like the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said, regarding the debate about faith and works, it's like asking which blade in a pair of scissors is most important. Isn't that good? If you were to take one of the blades away, you no longer have a scissor. Couldn't operate, couldn't cut. We are not saved by works. We are saved for works. Now, James pictures in verse 18 someone interrupting him, saying, wait a minute, James. Listen, I have the gift of faith. Maybe you have the gift of works. Uh, That's what he pictures in verse 18. If you read the verse, it says this, and let me read it to you. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Then he says, show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. And then James all of a sudden goes into theology because he knows that's where the person's coming from. He, He gives an illustration. In verse 19, you believe that God is one. What he's referring to here is a Shema, where they would, every good Jew, when he would get up in the morning, he would say, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh, that was considered so important in Jewish theology. He says, you believe God is one? That's good, very good. And what else does he say? You do well. The demons also believe And they shudder. They're frightened. Their theology doesn't save them, even though it's correct. It's possible to believe and be able to recite the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, to be able to know the 16 tenets of faith of the assemblies of God. It's possible to be able to have all of your theology orthodox, correct, and know how to say it, but it doesn't mean a thing if it doesn't affect your life. If it isn't somehow impacting what you do. And what James does in his book is he again and again says, listen, you have to live a certain way because that's what faith does inside of you. It changes you. Someone has said, it is a good thing to possess an accurate theology But it is unsatisfactory unless that good theology also possesses us. Does that theology possess you? Control you? Direct you? Determine your actions? Theology must be more than just a mere verbal exercise, mental gymnastics. It must impact the way we live. He says, otherwise, it's useless. He says, the demons in hell have a good theology. They know God is one. They can explain, in a sense, maybe the Trinity 
better than we could. But yet, that does not save them. That does not redeem them. That does not deliver their soul from hell. The faith that James is talking about is a faith that makes you different on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. That's what James is telling us. How will it show it? It'll show it in the way you handle the trials of life. Like Job, you'll say, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. It will show up in the way you keep yourself from being polluted by the world and recognizing that friendship with the world means that you'll be an enemy with God. That's the type of faith James is talking about. See, I think what's happened in America is we have a mushy faith that really doesn't impact people's lives, that doesn't change them, just makes them feel good, gives them a fix to go on the next day. Sometimes God doesn't make you feel good. Sometimes he makes you feel uncomfortable because he's trying to change you on the inside. Faith that changes you helps you to take control of your tongue so you don't rip other people apart or put people down. Faith that really means something, it's transferred into your life so that you reach out in acts of compassion to a hurting world. Amen. What James does is, he, and we'll talk about this more uh, next week, but what James does is he, he illustrates it then. He says, let me talk about Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that his faith was working with his works. So what do you say? You just can't separate it. His faith was working with his works. It was connected. As a result of the works of faith, his works, his faith was perfected. It was completed. That's what he's saying. What happens is, if I say I love you, it has to be more than me saying, I have to, damn it, maybe I pray for you, help you in some way, do something. It, it has to be expressed in our lives. That's what James is telling us. He uses Abraham as an illustration. Abraham took his son Isaac, his only son in his eyes, the son of promise put it on the altar, and he said, God, you have my best, my everything. Sometimes we love our blessings more than we love the blesser. And we make idols out of the gifts that God gives us. And we hold so tightly onto those things that were meant only to be recognizes his mercy and grace to, our, to us. God says, now I know, Abraham, that you really love me because you're willing to give your Isaac. Real faith allows you to be like God and mirror God in your relationship to people and to things so that you're willing to say, God, my everything is on the altar. Rahab, what a contrast, there you have a patriarch in Abraham, and then you have a prostitute in Rahab. There you have a male, and then you have a woman, a man of notoriety, a woman of ill repute. But both of them, faith responds in the same way. Rahab willingly 
risk her life to save the spies. Willingly. She's, she's ready to give up her life and identify with the people of God. How far has our faith taken us in the journey? Hear me real closely, carefully. Real faith. It's going to be seen in your life, in your day-to-day interaction with other people. It's going to be seen in the way you live. It's not some misty thing up in the sky, some philosophical abstract teaching that has nothing to do with the way you live. Faith changes the way you live. It makes you totally, totally different. Tony Campolo, uh, the preacher from Philadelphia area, grew up in a community uh, where that community changed. His family stayed in the community. They were Italian-Americans, and that community changed. It became all African-American, and they remained there, and they attended an African-American church. And the preacher, he loved his pastor. Uh, The preacher one day, as he tells the story, uh, the students had come back from college from Penn State and other places, and, and they all gave their testimony in the morning service. After their testimony, uh, the preacher said, my children, you're going to want to have a testimony, not just a title. He said, you'll get the title, your BA, your MA, your PhD, whatever. But he said, it's the testimony that counts. He said, Pharaoh had a title. Moses had a testimony. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had the title. Daniel had the testimony. He said, Herod, oh, Herod had the title, but John the Baptist had the testimony. And he said, uh, Pilate had the title, but my King Jesus had the testimony. And he said, uh, someday they're going to take you out to a graveyard and they're going to throw dirt on your face and they're going to go back to the church and they're going to eat potato salad. (laughs) And he said, when you stand before God, it won't matter if you had a title. You need a testimony. God's not going to ask you about the title. He's going to ask you about the testimony. See, it doesn't matter. Amen. It, It doesn't matter if you've been a preacher, a pastor, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, a church worker. The title's okay, but what really counts is the testimony. If you're saved and you know it, how does it go? Completed. If you're saved and you know it. Say it again. Can we say it? If you're saved and you know it, your life will surely show it. That's what James is saying. Real faith works. It's authentic. You could see it in people's lives because it messes their life up. It changes them all around. They live different. They act different. Their values are different. I believe, uh, I believe God's coming back for a church that has a testimony. And I want to be a part of that church. I want to be numbered with those 
who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, how's your faith doing? Is it authentic? Is it real? Does it ring true? Does it make a difference in the way you're going to live Monday? What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series, Through the Book of James, right here on Building in Faith.